I know what's on your mind. I am very much aware of the timing. (laughs) So I'm going to skip my introduction to some degree. We are going to be looking at uh, the characteristics of leadership from the book of Nehemiah. We are starting the book of Nehemiah uh, today. And uh, the opening uh, chapter is really quite conducive to understand what the heart of leadership should be. But we're not only going to look at what you should expect. This is kind of a charge to you that this is what you should be expecting from your leaders. But we're also going to be asking the question, how do these same characteristics apply to all of us if we name ourselves Christ followers? The context of Nehemiah is that the Persians have uh, overcome Babylon and they are now the reigning authority in the area. They ruled differently than Babylon. The Persians allowed the individuals to go back to their homelands as long as they paid their taxes and they supported the state. So with that as our shortened introduction, would you stand as we read these verses that are in first chapter? The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Kevliv, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile are in, is in great trouble and shame, destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the Lord God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I may uh, that I now pray before confessing the sins of the people of Israel which you have sinned that we have sinned against you even I and my father's house have sinned we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments the statutes and rules that you commanded your servant Moses Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments, most parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to a place that I have chosen and make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, And to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And give success to your servant today. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man, the king. And let's remember that the power resides in God's word. You may be seated. From the very beginning of this book, we see that Nehemiah has a passion for his people. All leaders should not look for power, but they should love and care and be concerned about the people with whom they serve. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. That means that he had standing and access in the palace. But when his brothers came from Jerusalem, he questioned, that is, he asked them, 
What about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and about Jerusalem? It is always important that we not just look after our own interests, but we should be concerned about the interests of others. Some of us don't even really want to know about what's going on in our lives. We just, to see people, to have concern and find out what is going on in the lives of other people and try to help them. Nehemiah had never been to Jerusalem, but he was concerned about the people that he had never known because they represented God's presence in Jerusalem. And what did he find out? The survivors were in disgrace. They were in great trouble. Jerusalem was in shambles. The gates were burned. But he was not only concerned about the condition, the physical condition, he was also concerned over the complacency of the people themselves. The people had accepted their condition. Either they were unconcerned or because of feeling helpless to do anything about it, they had given up. I want to remind you as a church that nothing ever will change in our personal lives or a church or any church until we are concerned about our own brokenness. I have known people and I know people who are complacent about their life and the way it is even though they are living in disobedience. One of the first characteristics that you as a congregation should look for in a leader is a passion for his people who cares about his people. Leaders must be concerned and passionate about God and his will to keep us the kind of people we should be. In verse 4, he says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I don't know if you remember when Jesus looked at the hard hearts of Jerusalem. Painfully, he wept over Jerusalem. This is the same picture. Leaders should be grieved when we hear bad news about God's people, especially the spiritual state of people are their lives is the life of their family in ruins now one of the things that you would find from verse from chapter 1 to chapter 2 is this time period that Nehemiah was praying and fasting is about 4 months in his prayer the first thing he does he acknowledges who God is If we can understand who God is as creator of all things and that he keeps his covenants and that he's truthful and that he's faithful and that he can be trusted, then we can have confidence that God will show us grace when we need his grace. So what does Nehemiah do? He confesses not only the sins of his people, but he confesses his own personal sin. A part of verse 6 says this, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commandments, decrees, and laws 
that you gave your servant Moses. As a leader, we should be broken about our own insufficiencies, our own clayness, if you will, because we can be easily broken. We should be aware not only of other people's difficulties, but we should be aware of our own difficulties. We need to be honest. We need to not only think in terms of what does the congregation need, but am I a part of the problem or am I part of the answer? Nehemiah said, I have to confess my own sin. It's not enough just to rise up to be a leader. You know, Jesus said, why do you judge others speck in their eyes when you have a log in yours? That's what Nehemiah is saying. In verses 8 through 10, we read this. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And if you return to me and obey my commandments... Then even if your exiled people are in the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your strong or great strength and your mighty hand. Here's the, here's the situation. Nehemiah is praying this in Persia. In other words, the people of God have already disobeyed. They have already sinned and they're already under the judgment of God. And what Nehemiah is doing in his prayer is saying, okay, you did your part, but we're asking you to do the second part. And that is that if we will humble ourselves before you as the people of God, will you bring us back together again? Will you show yourself mighty and will you show yourself strong? He could be confident Because he knew the history of God's faithfulness among the people. Every time the people disobeyed, he brought discipline on them. Every time they obeyed, he brought blessing to them. Why? Because God is a God of his covenants. He keeps his covenant. If Nehemiah can be so confident that God will be graceful, If we come to him, how much more should we be confident because we've seen what it cost God on the cross? He was willing to give everything so that we could be restored to him. Do you really believe that? Then how will we respond? If you believe that God's grace and mercy is available to you, then what are you going to do about it? Just, are we just going to nod our heads and say, yes, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Did you notice what uh, the progression of his prayer? He's broken. He's weeping. He acknowledges God's character, how he's awesome, how he himself is a sinner. And then, verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of those servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today in granting him favor in the presence of this man. And this man is the king. I am a cupbearer of the king. You see, he moved from 
brokenness because of the state of the people to confession, to honoring God. But then he took another step. He asked this question over four months. Lord, are you calling me to be involved in your kingdom's work? Are you calling me to serve? Or am I just going to look at what's going on from a distance and cry out to you and wonder, are you going to do anything? How many times have we been guilty of that? That we see difficulties in the lives of people, but we just stay arm's length and we do absolutely nothing to bear the burden of those who are around us. Over the four months of his praying and fasting, his concern became greater, but his vision of what he could do became clearer. He spent a long time in prayer. How many times have you heard the old saying, don't just stand there, do something? Have you ever heard that? Well, when it comes to knowing God's will, don't do that. Henry Blackaby was not the first to use it, but the first time I read it, and this is what he said, don't just do something, stand there. And I thought, that's not very proactive. But here's what Blackaby is saying. If you look at Scripture, God took his time to reveal to his leaders what needed to be done. We always seem to be in a hurry. We want to make what is wrong right, right now. How many times have we spoken without praying? How many times have we acted without praying? How many times have we tried to get other groups of people to act without praying first? It took Nehemiah four months to get clarity from God before he went to the king. Now listen... If there's a clear scripture that tells me to go do something, don't wait four months. If it says, this is the way that we are to treat people, then let's start treating people that way. If it says that leaders are not supposed to be money hungry, then let's don't be money hungry. If we're supposed to be hospitable, let's be hospitable today. The context here is Nehemiah didn't know exactly what to do because the scripture didn't tell him what to do. He needed God's leadership, and so he waited What was he looking for? He wanted to see God at work in the heart of a king. Proverbs 21.1 The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he directs it like a water course where he pleases. Nehemiah wanted to make sure that he was in tune with God's leadership before he acted. You see, the problem isn't acting or not acting. It's not being involved or not being involved. 
It's not about serving or not serving. It's about seeking God's face on how to serve. Because a call to follow Christ is a call to serve. For many of us, our lives are like the walls of Jerusalem. They need to be rebuilt. Or maybe it's the life of someone that you love. Do they or do you need rebuilding? Are your defenses broken down? Are you allowing things in your life and sin to control your life? This is where the mercy and the grace of God is important. Because you see, it's God's mercy and his grace that allows us to see that we need him. Because whether we know it or not, we are broken. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are flawed. We have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. What we see in Nehemiah is that he is heartbroken over the sin of his countrymen. He's heartbroken over the consequences of that sin. And he's heartbroken because he and his family were a part of that sin. So the things that we would see in our leaders, do we not need to ask ourselves these own questions? Are we concerned about our own issues, especially our sin issues? Do you have the conviction that God is a holy God? Or do you think that he's going to overlook our sin? Why do you think Jesus went to the cross? Because God's justice had to be satisfied. Someone had to take the penalty of our sin. He just didn't overlook it. He paid for our sin. If we come to him. So the next question. Are you ready? Are we ready to confess our sin? And that we need him. Do you have the confidence in God's promises? He promised that if we will confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And to Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that he'll do that for you? Are you ready to obediently follow God's leadership in serving? Do you understand that until he is Lord, you will never know and experience salvation As he promised. Yes, we want to be a part of our leaders. But I hope that you see fundamentally they must be a part of our lives as well. So I'm going to ask you, is it time for us to put our lives in harmony with God's purposes And his plan. And we do that 
by submitting ourselves to him. Would you pray with me? Father, you have uh, told us, even in the New Testament, that we should not all seek to be teachers or leaders because we will receive the greater condemnation. So, Father, it is with fear and trepidation that we would even step forth. But because of your mercy and grace and because of your call, the joy of serving is beyond measure. And we thank you for the joy and the peace that comes in knowing Jesus Christ, for walking with him, knowing his presence. So I pray for each one here, whether those who are Christ followers or not, that you would lay on our hearts to humble ourselves before you, to confess our sins, so that we may receive your grace and mercy. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.